Welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast, episode 14. Alongside Hunter Pulaski, I am Peter Garber. We are presented by Reed Furniture in downtown Petoskey. Whatever your furniture need, it's Reed indeed. So much to get to in today's episode. We're going to preview the Travelers Championship from TPC River Highlands in Connecticut and get you our picks for that one. We're going to recap the U.S. Open, of course. John Rahm victorious for his first ever major the Meyer LPGA Classic at Blyfield Country Club right here in the state of Michigan, as well as the Michigan Open and the Michigan Amateur kicking off this week. Plus, we'll talk a little bit about Hunter's golf trip to Indiana. Let's go. Any idea what episode this is? Uh, I believe it's 14. I think the last one was 13. The real 13. All right. Here we are. Great Lakes Golf Podcast episode... What'd you just say? 14. So episode 14. On the other side of the Michigan Open, U.S. Open, and Meyer LPGA Classic at Blyfield. So it was obviously a super busy week in the world of golf and the world of local golf. But before we tell you about any of that, Hunter had himself as big of a weekend as any golfer in the country. Heading down to the crossroads of America. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, your boys trip there? And did you play any golf courses that any of the rest of us need to travel seven hours by car to go play? Uh, first of all, it wasn't seven. It was about five. Uh, four, 440 to get to Kendallville, Indiana. Uh, northern northern parts of Indiana. <clears throat> and I, and I, will, I, I would have set this up a lot better. Uh, last Tuesday, if I would have known that I was going on this golf trip last Tuesday, um, but I did not. I, I, le- I learned Wednesday morning that a that a spot opened up um, to go down to, like I said, Kendallville, Indiana, which is had never heard of it. Believe it or not, no. was not familiar. Sure, it's a nice, nice town. Oh uh, yeah, I um actually I never saw downtown Kendallville. I was gonna say now I t- that I'm, I'm guessing. Meals, drinks, everything took place at the golf courses. <laughs> not quite, not not <laughs> not quite. Um, so we uh, so there's um, twelve of us go down to Kendallville, Indiana, and to set the scene, like the itinerary and the itinerary, it said exactly what Peter just said. Most likely, food, food and drink is going to be at the golf courses because we are going to Kendallville, Indiana. But it says on the it said it on the itinerary there is a uh, Applebee's, a Chinese, and oh, there was like there was one, or or pizza were like the options. So there were there were other options at Kendallville. So this is one home base, Kendallville, one property where you laid your head at night, from which you traveled to three different golf courses. Is that right? You it wasn't like. You were meandering through or making a loop. You were stationary. Correct. Yeah. We so we um so we um I got Mac to sleep on Thursday night, and then we drove down to Indiana. So we got in around one o'clock ish to Kendallville. Woke up at uh, five forty five, and we were supposed to tee off at seven thirty the next day. It was so it was going to be thirty six on Friday, thirty six on Saturday, eighteen on Sunday. That's a lot of golf, Peter. 
which I wasn't like, I knew it was a lot of golf, but it's a lot of golf. We get there on Friday morning, and I'm not sure if you got this same rainstorm, but we got pounded with rain Friday morning for Mm -hmm. probably an hour and a half of just a torrential, torrential downpour. If that rainstorm would have happened at Bayview Country Club, we would have been packing our bags and see in 2022 because that course would have been so flooded for so long. <laughs> That's all I kept thinking about because we were out there. We went out right when the rain was stopping. It, we might have been still been sprinkling a little bit, and the course was still playing so firm. Uh, so I, I don't know how I don't know how it happened. So we played. Uh, well, that's 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 we're in the if you live in Chicago like me, and I'm guessing you were probably inside of a hundred miles. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, of where I live, you had to be just a little, basically straight east of where I am maybe a little north or south, we are in a historic drought. Yeah. So that rain was needed and probably barely moved the needle in terms of where we are. Third driest spring. I know it's summer now as of yesterday, but uh, since they started keeping track in the 1830s. So it's a legit drought. And I believe it. Cause I mean, it was, like I said, it was playing the course even after. And I, I mean, I had not seen it rain that hard in a long time, and the course was still playing firm. Might as well have been raining on concrete, dude. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we actually played two holes before it started to rain, and those bounces off those drives, it looked like it was concrete. It, it was a, it was the first course we played was a link-style golf course, so it was supposed to play firm and fast, but it played firm. And wow, link-style too, huh? Yeah, so the first, first course. Sneaky was- golf in northern Indiana. I would say it was actually pretty sneaky. So the first course we played was uh, Noble Hawk. I wouldn't like. I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to play Noble Hawk. It was good. I mean, it was a, it was a decent course. Keeping in mind that this is Northern Indiana, this was actually like a super affordable. Um, for under four hundred dollars, we played however much, however ninety nine holes of golf and stayed in a hotel for three nights for under four hundred dollars. So I mean, as far as bargain budget golf, Peter. You can't beat it. So yes, uh, that's amazing. No, it's all. It was absolutely. It was so sweet. And when I heard that price tag, like, like to get me to go on this trip, I was like, "Excuse me." <laughs> you were probably imagining another whistling straits trip, and you're like, "I'm out on this, dude." I they took me for four hundred bucks and yeah, eighty two shots. I'm never going back. So it's actually funny. It's like either you have to when you're planning a golf trip, you either have to decide like, "Am I going to play?" Are we going to play less golf, but it's going to be really good golf courses, or are we just going to play as much golf as we freaking can? And it might they might not be the, like the nicest tracks, but it worked out where Noble Hawk was decent, and then our next course on Saturday was better, and then we finished with a really good course on on Sunday that's, that hosted uh, Stonehenge, which hosted a bunch of amateur events in Indiana and whatnot. So. Anyways, we played, it worked out really well where we played your own ball in the morning round and then you played a scramble in the afternoon round. It worked out well for everyone except for the guy that's supposed to hit the ball, like the the scramble player that's supposed to hit the long drive. <laughs> they would, and I can, I can see it now, like on Saturday, we were playing a four-man scramble in the afternoon and somebody would hit it down the fairway and they're like, okay, Hunter, you can rip it now. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, guys, this is like, the 72nd hole I've played in two days or 65th my brain might be saying rip it but my my body is like 
stop, stop. You can't, you can't keep doing this. I that's when you were saying you got to choose between fewer holes and nicer courses, or more holes and more affordable courses. Like I've reached that tipping point in my golf career because when I get, when I wake up the day after I've played eighteen holes, I feel it. So I don't even know what it's like to wake up the day after I play 36 holes because I don't bother doing that because I know that my body can't hold up. And that may sound ridiculous <laughs> because it's golf and not football, but well, I mean, imagine- how did your body feel on the, like when you get, you so you finished, you played 18 Sunday morning, you drove five hours home stationary in your car. How did you feel when you got out of the car and, and out in front of your house when you got home on Sunday afternoon? Um, I didn't feel great because I still had like, it was Father's Day. I still had like Father's Day festivities to go do yeah. when I got home. So <laughs> I was limping around I the house some, opening gifts or whatever. Limping around a family member's house. I had I had some serious Sunday scaries going on. Oh like, no. I was like, get me to get me to a bed. Is what well, you had like a teen father, like a no. I had to go oh. to um, my uh, Mac was at my aunt's house where my parents were, my grandpa, uh, his girlfriend, and uh, aunt and uncle were there, or aunt and uh, future uh, uncle. Wow, so you got to tell them all about your golf trip, huh? I wasn't there for super long. Mac hadn't seen me in th- three days, so we were playing soccer in the yard for majority of the time. Nice. Um, but nice. but my my body actually felt. Body felt fine. The Sunday was an 18 hole golf course, but we closed the guys out on 14. And that was, I said, I'll go watch. And you just left. I'll go watch the group in front of us. And that's, it. <laughs> and that's exactly what we all did. I mean, we were, I was, I was pretty, uh, the Sunday round was alternate shot, not, tr- not true alternate shot. And we both hit drives, but, mm-hmm. uh, after the tee shot, it became alternate. So that obviously that, Helped a little bit with the, the uh, less swings, but I wish that that Sunday round was the best golf course by far. Um, so that is the call. That is the golf course we played: Noble Hawk on Friday, Cobblestone on Saturday. Cobblestone was decent. I would, if you're in the area, I'd recommend going to play Cobblestone. But I think I would go out of my way to play Stonehenge. Uh, that was about an hour away from Kendallville, towards you guys in Chicago. Okay. Um, Lake Weona or something, something along those lines. But it from had about a twenty-year stretch, twenty-five-year stretch where it held the uh, the Indiana Open. Uh, it's held the amateur, junior amateur. So it was a it was a really really fun track. The greens were sweet. Um, so that is the that is the golf course that I am r- recommending. If you guys are in Indiana, uh, planning a golf trip definitely recommend going to play Stonehenge. I think it's all part of like that greater, that great Indiana, whatever they, they have some kind of golf trail or something. Yeah. Something set up where, um, there is sneaky. I will tell you one of the interesting things that happened during COVID Illinois closed golf courses. This is, this is summer of 2020. Mm -hmm. So this is like June probably June, early, early season or whatever in Illinois, you can't play golf in Illinois. <clears throat> and so, you know what all the Illinois golfers did? Oh yeah. They went to Indiana. That includes myself. And we did find a couple of sneaky, good golf courses over there. And there's some nice, like 
sandy soil and it's it's good i mean it's good land obviously and they uh one of them that we used to play all the time was called sandy pines and it was like a 70 bucks and it was an hour's drive from where i live and it was no big deal and so we would all go to these indiana courses or whatever and so he'd drive through the parking lots looking for a place to park every single license plate was out of state it was just everybody coming into the state of indiana to play golf because it was legal and you couldn't play over on the you know five miles away so just if you were on the other side of the border. So, uh, so I, I, I do have a little bit of exposure to Indiana <laughs> golf as a result of COVID. So I, I do have one more thing I have to say about this weekend. So I had, uh, I'm not going to say the guy's name. I had, a, I had a partner that I played with and I, I, don't, I never, I didn't tell anybody. Obviously I did not self promote this podcast whatsoever on this, on this golf trip. Shock, Thanks a lot. Hunter. Shockingly. I know. So I, <laughs> I, I, I have to, just because you wanted to say this and <laughs> yeah. I had to worry that they were going to hear you. Yeah, maybe that no that that was definitely not the not the reason, but there were some some things that we it was a two man team on uh, Friday for both rounds of golf, so for all thirty six holes, play with the same guy. He did some things that I thought were so were so goddamn funny that I I had to I had to like I started actually I made a list in my notes app because I was afraid I was going to forget like some of them. So <laughs> the the craziest the, the downright craziest thing he did which i have never heard of anybody doing he was a 12 handicap we played nine holes the first nine holes was a best better ball of partners and then we let the group behind us play through because uh, they were only a threesome uh at the turn so he was telling he was telling everyone in that group that he shot a 40 and the, and those guys had played with him before, and they his their eyes opened up really wide, and they're like, "Holy moly, that's a really good score!" He's like, "Well, no, 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 it's forty six, but like with strokes, I shot a 40. <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard somebody refer to their score with strokes included as like, their, their net score. score. Yeah, <laughs> and I was I almost kind of respected that. I was like, "Okay, well, if you, if you think you can get away with it, but like he obviously didn't because those those first thing those guys said were like, what the hell is going on?'" Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I can't say I've ever heard anybody do that before. Uh, another really funny thing he did, and Norm and I actually played with him when he was doing. So Norm and I played together for two rounds uh, of the uh, whatever it was five five total rounds, mm -hmm. and uh, he, this guy was my partner, and we're playing a par three, and he's aiming he's aiming forty easily forty yards right. He's he's done this several times throughout the day, but I'm not gonna like. I don't know this guy's golf game. I'm not going to say anything to him. Nobody's going to say anything. Sure. <laughs> this ball starts 40 yards right, stays 40 yards right, like a dead straight ball flight. And Norm looks at him and he goes, I'm trying to remember what he said. He said something like, do you see where you're aimed? And, and this guy, right where you're aiming. Yeah, and this guy goes, well, I only have two misses. Either it goes dead straight or it hooks like 60 yards left. <laughs> And then, uh, to just to make it a little, further, he has the. I feel like I'm saying this like Hunter just bitching about his playing partners, which it really kind of is. But I, I this is all I all kind of like. This is all kind of just comical in my eyes. But uh, another one, there was a 310 yard hole. He hadn't hit a drive over 200 yards, and he waited for the green to clear. 
I, I laughed really hard. No. <laughs> I almost moved his ball out of the teeing area and teed off my driver. I was like, this is a long hole right into the wind. We are not going to get there. <laughs> so, uh, and that, you didn't know any of these guys. No. And that's, and that's, that's, uh, honestly, I, I, Norman and I were talking about it. It was like, it was like a blind date. Like when we were pulling, cause we hadn't met any of the guys. <laughs> we hadn't met any of the guys going, Norm had met one of them. I think I had met one of them just in passing when I was in Chicago with Patty, but no. It's a lot of holes to play with strangers. No. And, and actually overall, I would say it was awesome. I mean, I couldn't have for, for that price, that much golf, my body not breaking in pieces. Um, I thought it was sweet. So I would, I would definitely recommend, I mean, if you guys are, that was my first, probably that was my first like golf golf trip. So I, I feel like you're either, tra- you're either planning like a boys trip with golf or you're planning a golf trip. And this was like, certainly like a golf trip. Like that was enough golf to be considered a golf trip rather than playing like 18 holes a day over three days or something like that, where you have time to drink. But like I, I would get done. We would get done with golf at seven and I would be asleep by eight and awake by 5.30 the next morning. So there, there wasn't much time for extracurriculars, especially not in, if there was, not like there was much to offer in Kendallville, if there was. What do you mean? You could have gone over to the Al- Applebee's? Uh, so the boys the boys did go to Applebee's, and they, they said nothing but bad things about it the next morning. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, was, uh, I, was not, uh, I was not mad that I did not go to Applebee's. All right. Well, should we move on from this all this nonsense and talk about some people who are better than us at golf? Yeah, it wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't take much. We can talk about just about anybody. Let's. Can you recap recap us on the Michigan Open, if you if you would, and then maybe <clears throat> take it from there in terms of catching us up on some of the other things that are going on. Obviously, the Michigan Amateur uh, starts today, so. You want to tell us a little bit about the that Michigan Open leaderboard and the results there? Yeah, so we were uh what were we were we one day in last week? Two days in? I think so. I think so. Yeah, we were watching kind of the scores at, on day 2. Okay, so the so the um Bradley Smithson who is uh who is going to be a junior at uh Michigan State who was in the lead after that 66 first round ended up um Ended up winning uh, in a playoff against uh, who was actually in second place at the time as well, uh, Patrick Wilkes Creer. Uh, Bradley actually struggled a little bit on both Saturday or, well, the third and fourth round of the tournament, shooting 71 71. Uh, he had to birdie the 18th hole, and uh, Patrick Wilkes Creer had to make bogey to get into a playoff. And then uh, Bradley made uh, birdie on both his playoff holes. and and actually, he chipped in on the first playoff hole to make birdie after uh, Wilkes career stuck it to about four feet. And then uh, he made a second birdie on the second playoff hole to uh, to win. Uh, luckily for Patrick, uh, Bradley is an amateur, so Patrick will take home uh, the first place, money. first place purse, which I think is about $12,000. $12, That's sweet. So Bradley actually birdied it. His 72nd, 73rd, and 74th holes to end up winning. Correct. And that was after uh, between 13 and 17, he went uh, bogey, bogey, double, something like that. So he he tried to implode on himself 
on the fourth or in the fourth round coming down the home stretch. But uh, that's incredible, though. Good for him. Usually when it starts going bad like that. And we've seen that on the bigger stage here in the past few weeks. Lexi at the U.S. Women's, Chess and Hadley at Congaree. When you start losing it, you don't normally get it back. So <clears throat> good for Bradley. That's amazing. Congratulations to him to not only win, but to do it in the fashion that he did with a with a, a bit of a rally there. And then I see some of these other names, Donnie Trosper, nine under, shot seven under on seven under 65 on uh, in round four to get all the way into third. Winton Munch from Traverse City, Tyler Kopp, Brett White, uh, Alex Scott, also from Traverse City, who we've talked about a lot on this uh, podcast, Scott Hebert and Grant Hefner kind of round out the uh inside the top top 10 there really a good uh a nice looking leaderboard there a lot of good a lot of great michigan uh michigan golfers a lot of really good really good scores yeah you like to see see how many uh amateurs are up there four out of the four out of the top 11 guys are amateurs Mm -hmm. um any did you want to Anything else on the Michigan Open? No, uh, no, nothing else. Just outside of the obviously the course was playing difficult. There was um, T ten was the only thing was the only T ten and above was uh, red numbers, but everything else was was over par for the over the four days. So and then um, I mean just some some impressive turnarounds. Donnie Donnie and Winton uh, both finished finished three and T fourth shot seventy six on the first day and rallied pretty nicely to, to turn it around uh on the rounds two through four mm-hmm. and then um moving on uh, i feel like a little bit of a broken record but i feel like we're going to continue to feel like a broken record uh pj maybank uh continues to play pretty special golf this summer just qualified for the u.s uh u.s junior am down at the country club in north carolina he was co-medalist uh that's uh, was that uh probably last tuesday uh down at tpc michigan he shot 200 down there. Also has the uh, Michigan Amateur starting uh, this week, or starting today rather, down at uh, Cascade Hills between June 22nd and June 26th. So keep an eye out. Uh, there should be, I imagine, there'll be pretty live scoring for for that event uh, throughout the throughout the week. And the Michigan Amateur. Um, like the Michigan Junior is what two days of stroke play that that would be that'd be my understanding yes and then you're seated i think after that according to who and it's all the way to the low is it the low 64 into a bracket correct yeah it's really a great great event and a great format so hopefully hopefully pj can uh uh you know get it going a little bit uh there this week yeah and then um Continuing, I mean, we we keep mentioning it, but June is just busy, busy with uh, with Michigan golf. Uh, this past week, uh, the 105th women's Michigan amateur, uh, Kimberly Din, uh, took home the honors. She is 28 years old. She she was a University of Wisconsin golfer, and uh, kind of like cool stories like this. So she is 28. She's a senior research specialist for Dow Chemical. She stopped playing 
competitive golf while she was a graduate student over at MIT. And when she got back from MIT over to uh, back to Saginaw or back to Midland, she decided she needed to start playing competitive golf again. Uh, she won the GAM women's mid amateur in 2020. Uh, and then uh, obviously played, played in the uh, 105th, what is this? The 105th Michigan women's amateur and, and took home uh, the crown there. So obviously very impressive. She's a, a hell of a player. She won up in the title match against uh, a University of Michigan golfer, Michaela Schultz of West Bloomfield. And this was all at Saginaw Country Club, which I'm sure you've played a few times. Yeah, it's a great little track. My dad grew up playing that track. I played it a few times. My grandmother lived on that golf course for a long time. It's not dissimilar from what many of us are used to playing and that it's short, tight, old style, tree lined with um quick tricky undulating um and small green surfaces so it's a really it's a cool it's a cool a cool little golf course not long but definitely a challenge it's it's fun to see i don't know i don't know for how long they've been holding this event there i probably should know that i probably should have looked it up but it's cool to know that it is, it is there in, in Saginaw, uh, and at that club, which is, which is a really sort of a nice, probably an underrated country club in the, in the, uh, in the state of Michigan. Yeah. And then, uh, finally continuing with the women's game, did you, uh, did you catch any of the, um, Meyer LPGA classic this week? You know, I followed along mostly um just on my phone i didn't watch a ton of the coverage though i did just in following the scores i was able to see just how many birdies blyfield was yielding so in that sense it must have been really exciting for viewers because these scores were so low um i followed along a little bit uh, because i i did back lexi and she played sort of well enough for the first couple of days to uh hang around and and kind of be in contention before nelly just you know sort of went off and uh shot 62 on on saturday <clears throat> kind of left herself far enough ahead of the pack that it was hard to see anybody coming back but yeah i mean from the little bit that i did see that it's you know it's cool because it looks I think Blyfield looks like Michigan golf. Don't you? The golf course looked to be in beautiful shape and <clears throat> the tournament uh, appeared to be very well attended. So those were some of the things that I noticed. Yeah, no, it, it did look like it was well attended. Um, from the, from the little bit I saw too in the, um, I mean, 25 under, I don't care. I don't care where you're playing. Um, the golf course has to be in good shape to shoot that low. I mean, something has to be, of course has to be, playing true to to get to that number i mean 68 66 62 67 for a 263 i mean that's an incredible score over four days yeah those ladies are so good <laughs> they really need to get the tours need to work together to get more special events on off weeks and off seasons for men and women to play together so that more of the male golf fans will be exposed to the female golf fans because that is how you're going to grow the female game 
so that would be really cool to see. And obviously they can keep up yeah, just well, fine. The only thing they can't do is hit it as far as Bryson. Yeah. Well, you saw the, I don't know, did you watch any of the, we didn't, we didn't touch on it. We probably should have the Scandinavian open or Scandinavian mixed was what it was called. It was, I think it was two weeks ago on the European tour, uh, hosted by Hendrick and, um, uh, Annika. And I mean, it was, it was a dream scenario. There was a, a lady and a male on the like darn near final group. Uh, a lady, a lady actually had a chance to win it on the 18th hole. So, I mean, it, it is, it is very doable, uh, very realistic for these, for, uh, females and males to compete on the same playing field. Maybe just yeah. different lengths. I agree. I agree. Or do so, or play a par three. Yeah. Uh, and then it just makes sure they're, they're all every shots on, on under 175 or something like that. And <clears throat> they're not that. I get it. That's not technically fair either, but you'd be surprised how well the uh, ladies can keep up. So yeah, they're doing it. If Annika and Henrik are doing it over there, why can't we do it over here? Why can't the Zurich classic be mixed? You know, I just think that there's some opportunities maybe that are, that are being missed, but Obviously, it's so great to have so much tournament golf in the state of Michigan and so many of these events to uh, to follow. Last week, I felt like my head was spinning. I was trying to keep up with Blyfields, trying to keep up with the Michigan Open. And, um, and oh, yeah, watch the U.S. Open, too, the big one. So, <laughs> yeah, it was a really, uh, really fun week. And then, obviously, it continues this week with the uh, Michigan AM. Yeah. So speaking of the U S open, do you want to talk about that? We should. We, we absolutely should. I mean, we've, we've waited. I think we've waited long enough. Let's talk about the U S open. Well, I'm glad to know that somebody's on my side because I saw that Rory said, I love Rory. That was a good sweat for me. I, I really wish he could have uh, held it together a little bit better there on the back nine. You know, we were watching and having played Tory. You have to get through 10, 11, 12, and specifically 11, 12, no worse than one over. And whoever could do that was going to come out in pretty good shape by the time they got to 13, which is the par five and a birdie opportunity. And 14 is one of the friendlier, that was one of the friendlier holes on the back, I think Rom hit it in pretty close there. He only had like a 106 into the green. So if you can hit a good drive on 14. <clears throat> anyway, well, there was only two guys that could do it. And that pretty much those three holes were the end for, even though Rory hit some nice shots after that, which he always does after he has a couple bad holes. Um, Bryson and Rory just, and throw JT in there who hit an OB off 10 T at oh two under par. And I'm thinking OB left at 10. I've never even looked over there. And sure enough, they say this was just a moment ago. Every time they say it was a moment ago, you know, it's either perfect or horrendous. So I was just like, Oh, that's the end for JT. Say goodbye to the 22 to one ticket we had or whatever it was, which was starting to look relevant. Very so there are a couple nice sweats in there, but back to Rory. He said after the round, John has won two tournaments in a row. I don't care what anyone says. And it was 
really great to see that that situation with the memorial didn't have a negative impact on him and his play and just how he felt about his game and and just the way that that he was able to compartmentalize that probably better than I know I wouldn't have been able to do that and go out and just play good golf. And part of that was because he loves Tori so much and you could hear it in the post round interview talking about how much he loves the property, how special it is to him and his family. And um, yeah, congratulations to him becomes the shortest, the uh, shortest first time major winner as it relates to the odds board, I think ever. I don't know for sure, but he was 10 to one anywhere from 10 to 12. I actually saw numbers under 10 Yeah. Uh, without having a major championship. Nobody had ever won. I think DJ at Oakmont was the closest and it was probably more like the high teens had ever won a first major at that short of a number. So I think that says two things. One, John Rahm is that good as looking at some of the strokes gained stuff. He's, the only player in the <clears throat> uh, in the top ten of strokes gained tee to green, who I think is also in the top ten of, or maybe he's just among those ten guys. He's by far <clears throat> the best putter, or was this week? I know Bryson is probably up there too, though. John probably gains more strokes tee to green because he's so much better with his irons than Bryson, but um. It says that John Rahm is great and also that it's the youth movement in golf means these guys who have not won a major or looking at their first major or whatever are much, much better than guys who are in similar situations 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, i.e. guys are coming out on tour ready to win. Um whether they're coming from college or overseas or just from the uh, whatever the case may be. So I was just really happy for John because it felt like it was karma. And then I could tell from his post game comment or post round comments, it had so much to do. His victory had so much to do with how he felt about the golf course, his personal history in that area of the country having his parents around, having his child there. Um, So like the lesson for us to learn as gamblers there is, you know, I'm not like super upset that I didn't take the 10 to one. I had a lot of fun sweating the Rory and JT tickets and did fine on the finishing positions, even though Ryan Palmer really dogged me again. But, um, (laughs) you know, it's, yeah, I was, there's a lot that goes into winning a golf tournament that is not necessarily about your physical skills. And sometimes people laugh at us when we talk about narratives or how a guy's feeling or his history on this course or whatever. And that's just more relevant in the game of golf than it is in other sports. And that was revealed in his post-game comments. Like, if you don't think the fact that he was playing at Torrey Pines and that stuff had gone on at Memorial – all that put together turned him into the favorite in his own mind going into the week. He said, and I quote, I felt like the stars were aligning. 
you have to have that self-belief to be able to win a golf tournament. And he came to it in sort of a weird amalgamation of circumstances led him to that mindset or whatever, but he felt like that tournament belonged to him when he got there early in the week or over the weekend or whatever it was. And it was finally uh, cleared of COVID protocol. So that is a huge part of winning golf tournaments. Self-belief is probably the single most important ingredient to being successful on the golf course. And he had never had more of it. And you, boy, you could see the way that it came through the way that he played. How much confidence do you have to have in your putter to hit that far right out of the greenside bunker on 18 when you're tied? <sighs> A lot more than we have. <laughs> As I know you can't really go straight at it there because it can roll that all the way down into the water, but he went way right. And he just said, I'll make a 20, I'll make a 20 footer if I have to, or whatever it ends up being, or I'll win in a playoff or whatever the case may be. He just felt like I'm not going to give it to anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm going to protect myself, hope for a playoff because I just feel like if I don't make this putt, I'm still going to get another chance to win. That was an incredibly prudent play. It was kind of undercovered. I thought by Azinger in terms of the fact that they didn't really talk too much about his options or what that angle was, or had anybody played from that bunker earlier in the day, that kind of thing. But he just got in there and said, eh, I hit a bad, I got unlucky on my second. I'm going to bail out way to the right here. And if I make it great, and if I don't, I still think I'm going to be in a playoff, which at the time was crazy because he was tied. This is before Louis wipe hooks it into the Canyon off of 17. So, um, just he showed that when you have that skill combined with that self-belief, you are you are hard to stop. And obviously he it's it's a nice vindicating moment for him in the sense that he was the best player at Memorial. And so he was able to show up and be the best player this week and uh get the trophy that he deserved. So if you ate the 10 to 1 or 11 or 12, or even if you got it early, congratulations. Um, an amazing, you know, you don't often get first time major winners at 10 to one. So if you hit that ticket, if you were willing, you know, unlike Hunter and I to go ahead and take those short of odds and just believe that the COVID and everything wasn't going to matter because he has such great history there and he's such a good player. Good on you because that was it's not that easy to take that short of a number in that kind of a field. No, I think it was really impressive to see <clears throat> what do you think what do you, what do you think John Rahm would have shot this week like 5 years ago? Like after after that whole fiasco at Memorial. I think it's I think it really goes to show how much uh how much progression his character's had, how much he's matured uh over the last 5 years cuz he used to be uh quite a bit of a hothead and and not very not not did not have very good self control, um, so to see to see how he reacted at Memorial to see his post round interview after he really um, played some sensational golf those last two holes when he absolutely needed to thinking like you said thinking that that he was doing what he needed to do to get into a playoff not mm-hmm. ne- not necessarily win the golf tournament um, 
obviously he did he didn't expect Louis to hit I don't know how I don't know how Louis did what Louis did on 17 from coming from somebody that has you have played Tory Pines how much room is right cuz I from the TV it looks like there is a football field worth of distance to the right that you could just block Yeah it. Louis doesn't normally hit it left and like obviously he wanted to be in the fairway there and in that sense there are bunkers on the right side of the fairway I think it's two of them. Reed hit it in there. Some other guys hit it in there on Sunday. That kind of the T sort of points your ball to. So a lot of balls will end up there just right of the fairway because you're protecting yourself against the canyon. He obviously wanted that ball in the fairway, and he did hit a couple tugs, which is not like him with his driver. So that wasn't the first one. Then he tugged it again on 18 into the left rough, which prevented him from going to the going for the green in two. But I, yeah, I texted Joey. I was like, two places I've never really looked in the four or five times I played out there. One was left of 10. Like, I really didn't know you could get it all the way to the other side. Like, that's just a, that's a literal a duck hook that JT hit. I mean, he just hit the worst shot that you'll ever see a pro hit in that kind of a situation. And he kind of pushed back. And the other place I said was left on 17. I said the, the entire golf course all the way to the road is to the right there. It's not that it's great over there, but it's playable. So, I mean, Louie was trying to make birdie. 17 is not a hard hole if you hit it in the fairway. Um, but in the canyon, in that, situ- in that circumstance, was pretty difficult for me to imagine. Now, the other thing is I've no- most of the time I've played, I've played a lot of the shots from the back tee but not every hole and the the very back tee that they're hitting from on 17 the shot is much more over the canyon than along the side of the canyon it's very similar to 13 in that respect and that they shove the championship tee right up close to the hazard so the angle is definitely different for him than for everybody else that plays the golf course but yeah you can bail right there as far right as you want. And there's not really going to be anything obstructing you from the green. It'll just be a question of the lie. So that was tough to see. I hope that people don't leave this tournament thinking that Louie is a choker because he played the second best of anybody else, not just all week, but on Sunday, he played better than Rory. He played better. So did everybody than Bryson. He played better than everybody at Mac Hughes. The man has six runner-ups in majors, plus a third, plus a seventh, plus a ninth. You know, we can talk. I don't want to get too deep into this debate because then it's going to get into the Jack Tiger territory, but getting second in a major is like only if you're a kind of a jerk do you think that that's losing. He hasn't lost very many of these. He got beat by John. He just he just got beat. I feel like he hit a couple of loose shots, and obviously the tee shot on 17 will haunt him. But he played well. He played the second best of anybody in contention on Sunday. So the way that he played, frankly, was admirable. And he deserves our admiration and none of our criticism because were it not for John Rahm's heroics, 
he may very well have won that tournament outright by one stroke or been in a playoff. So really, Rom went out and took it from Louie, and it had very little to do with Louie. It's just a couple loose shots on the back, which were tough. And in particular, you just know there's canyons out there. And you saw the way Bryson played the golf course, which worked for three and a half days. Just hit it anywhere that's not in the trouble because technically it's it's wide open out there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Louis a great player, second highest owned player on uh, DraftKings this week. So obviously the gambling community is can kind of see this stuff coming. And Rom was up there too, but <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I just think Louis an amazing player, and we should be we should be complimentary of his play despite the couple of loose shots on the back, namely the tee shot on 17. You want to Chris credit, you want to talk about falling back. We can talk about Mac Hughes and Russell Henley. That's not what Louis stays did. Okay. He just got beat by a better player. You feel bad. You felt bad for, for Russell and, and McKenzie when they teed off on Sunday. Cause I think I, I didn't give them a fighting chance in hell. I don't think, I don't know if anybody else did, but you just saw who was behind them and you saw how they, um, I, Russell started with a bogey. I'm not sure. Did McKenzie start with a bogey too on one? Mm. I'm pr- I know Russell did for sure. So they've automatically Russell did. fell back to, back to a tie. For, and yeah. so, so, and I wonder, I wonder what's going through those, those guys head. Russell obviously played some fantastic golf. Uh, McKenzie played well on on Saturday to get into that spot, but what is going through the, when they look behind them and they see those names? And I mean, obviously they're good enough players to be there. I think it has much more to do with the pressure of the moment than who they are playing against. I can tell you for one thing, Russell Henley is not scared of fucking anybody. Mm-hmm. He beat Rory in the last group at the Honda 2014. He came out of Georgia and just started winning like it was no big deal. He's a phenomenal ball striker, one of the best iron players in the game. I really don't think they're scared. They're not worried about the other players around them. But the pressure of the moment, the way that your mind works, are you imagining yourself as the U.S. Open champion when you're going to sleep the night before? Are you thinking about the fact that you're in the lead? How are you controlling your thought patterns? How are you controlling your breathing? How do you deal with the crowds, which get much, much bigger on Sunday and more of them follow your group? All those things, I think, have a lot more to do with it than, oh, shoot, I got Rory and Brooks and Rom surrounding me and they're all better than me. All those guys think Mackenzie Hughes, he thinks he's the one of the best players in the, in, in the world as well. He should. Same with Russell. So I think it's less to do with that and more to do with the pressure of the moment. And they neither one of them had been quite in that situation before. Now, if Russell gets another chance at that, I think he he can pay off on it. Then maybe even the same can be said for McKenzie. But what was that? The Russell first? in particular has a ton of ability, and when his putter leaves him, he can't score. But the guy hits it as good as just about anybody. He's got to be in the top 10 strokes gained tee to green this year. So that's really the stat I think you have to look at when you look at the U.S. Open because that really bore itself out big time this week. And I want to I want to say McKenzie was the um, first first Canadian player to lead 
lead a major lead a U.S. Open after 54 holes? There were a lot of firsts. Richard Bland, oldest at 48 to hold the 36-hole lead. That was cool to see. That was very cool to see because I don't know if you guys, if anybody's familiar, but he was an absolute journeyman on the European Tour 451 career start. At least, be- I think, yeah. Before his before first, first win. And he just got his first win uh, this year. This year yeah. or last year. But a uh, very cool this story. Year. This I, year. It was like a month ago, I think. And it didn't really, it didn't seem like he was playing that bad on Saturday. I think he struggled on the back nine, but it seemed like he, he started out okay, correct? Yeah, he hung in there. He hung in there for a while. He ended up with some, some rounds in the mid to high 70s on Saturday and Sunday. But um, yeah, he, he did, he did hang in there. He probably felt when he was making the turn on Saturday knowing how Tory plays and it's always windy and it's just so long. I don't think people realize how long the golf course can play. These guys had like 295, 300 plus into 13 on their second shots. I mean, that, that hole is like an absolute beast. I imagine he felt when he was making the turn on Saturday, Richard Bland about how you felt when you were heading to the golf course on Sunday morning, like, do I really have to keep going? I'm tired. That was, uh, yeah, that was my thought. So Richard and I were on the same page there. <laughs> I got four more hours and I can drive five hours home. <laughs> never never looked so forward to a five-hour car ride. So did. on the gambling side, we got to keep a better running tally of what, because like you're like, we have to do the best bets. And now I can't remember. I know that I gave out Ryan Palmer to top 40 and he was a dog. He shot eight over. Uh, missed by four or whatever um the more premium players were fine i I think i gave out rory to top 20 i gave out reed to top 20 um reed didn't play well but guy finds his way into the freaking top 20 at at uh tory no matter what but um and then neiman had a good week who i thought was one of the bigger miss mispriced players on the board, given how well uh, he hits his long club. So it was fine in that respect. It was just tough not hitting any of the outrights, uh, having stayed away from Rom and then having several uh, tickets, no each ways either. I was texting a few people on uh, Sunday morning because I was getting offers to cash Rory tickets which I had actually been stocking up on those. Once I saw that he wasn't going to play terrible, I thought, Oh, he's going to be in this thing till the end. So I think I got a, I added to my 20 or 22 with a 37, which I think I got on maybe on Friday night and Sunday morning, I woke up and they were offering me five to one Mm. on both to cash. (laughs) And my buddy said, you should take that, dude. He's not going to win. And I said, are you sure? I think he might. I think he might. I want to stick around. So I got a little greedy. I could have probably just about paid for my my multitude of outrights by cashing those tickets. But whatever. I wouldn't have had the sweat all Sunday until Rory, uh, when he three-putted 11, I knew he was done after he hit that amazing it's the best tee shot we've seen on 11 in like an hour. 
and walks away with a four. And I was like, okay, we can stop watching now. Uh, I also had a, <clears throat> I, I had an uh, okay week. Uh, Brian Harmon uh, to top 30 hit. He was T19. So for all, for all those guys out there that said this golf course was too long for Brian Harmon to top 19 or top 30, Peter, uh, he did it. He T19 with rounds of 72, 71, 71, 72. Uh, I, but then, uh, obviously I'd, I had the JT ticket, which was unsuccessful. It did look really good going into the back nine on Sunday until he, like you have mentioned a couple of times, he hit that ball miles, right on miles to the left on 10. And that was, uh, just about curtains for JT. I had a ticket on Victor Hovland, the top 30 and he withdrew and I'm still not sure why he withdrew. I was, I got an notification on my phone in the middle of our golf round and that he got sand in his eye oh yes okay actually he did yes i do know why yeah yes he did didn't you see the picture that he it was either on instagram or on twitter his eye was like covered up by a patch he said he had blurred vision i don't know if he was telling the truth or not it was he said it was from warming up yeah he said he got Uh, sand somebody yeah a divot he couldn't I get the sand. He hit a sand shot or whatever, and he couldn't get. It is really windy there. You hit sand shots, the sand kind of blows up in your face. I don't know if that. I give Victor the benefit of the doubt. I love Victor. I had the chance to meet him. He's a really nice kid, but the photo was pretty funny of him sitting there with his eye patched up and saying, talking about. He was very detailed in what his vision was like and i was like no i'm gonna play i think it'll clear up in the first few holes see if we can kind of stay afloat and then like it got worse but he did make he did like make double on the hole that he ended up yeah which, which always you makes want, it look a little fishy what's that that always makes it look a little fishy like if you make a big yeah, number like he thinks thou doth protest too much or whatever that expression is like you're trying too hard to make it sound like you were injured by sand. So, yeah. So your top thirty didn't hit then. Uh, no, it didn't. No. So, um, so overall, not uh, not the greatest of weeks. I would have liked to see. I was I was pretty light this week. I can't even think of um, the other tickets I had. I see you had you had Homa tickets. Oh. <laughs> I did have a Homa ticket. We I forgot we had to mention that. Yes, uh, Max Homa. Uh, here is a uh, Pulaski promise for all listeners out there. I am done, <laughs> done betting Max Homa, and that is nothing against Max. I well, love I love you. Max, but I can't I can't keep doing this. I can't keep letting him shoot like he he shoots a plus eight right in my eye every time I bet on him. It seems like he hasn't made a cut since I bet on him ever. He, Ever. he brought it back for a while on Friday too, and I was trying to keep you in the game because you were really getting. Uh, you were really <laughs> down on him after that opening round, which I understand. But I think that was a um, mix of a mix of Max not playing well and then me uh, also not playing well in real life. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I was letting I was letting my uh, my my game bleed into everything was just bleeding together at that point. Uh, but yeah, Max did shoot 76, 73 to miss the cut by three or four. Yeah, yeah by three. So I, I don't really know what to say. I don't know what it is about Max. He he's able to. He's certainly not not the most consistent player on tour. 
by any means. He is, uh, he has some good weeks, has some bad weeks. I just got to figure out, well, I guess I don't have to figure out you if you want to bet on him because I won't be. You just have to figure out what, what those weeks are moving forward. Yeah, I mean, he's still a, he's still a great player. You, oh, fantastic you know, you player. Lose, fantastic. Yeah, you lose more than you win. So, um, want to talk about the Travelers? Yeah. I mean, or do you have about... any more recap on the U.S. Open? No, nothing Nothing else uh, outside the fact that I thought it was really funny that Bryson shot a 44 on Sunday afternoon. That's a high number. That's that's like a lot of <clears> – <throat> a lot has to go wrong to shoot a 44. Dude, I was actually – I played him in like weekend and showdown lineups and DraftKings, which are two-day or one-day lineups, so you don't have to play the full week. Ah. And I was winning – I was winning a pretty decent sized weekend contest when Bryson made the turn and he was in the lineup and it went from first place to like 75th or something like, like it just went and just fell off that. It was my lineup did exactly what he did in terms of the leaderboard. On my leaderboard, I'm like, oh, there I go. There I go. Farther down, farther down, farther down. Just as Bryson makes another bogey, another bogey. Did you hear what he said after the round about it? Mm-hmm. I'm not that worried about it. I've already won this tournament, and uh, it's just a lot of bad breaks. That's a paraphrase, but actually, I do remember that was the point that. that it, like, it's not a bad break if it's the result of a bad shot. It's a bad break if you hit a bad result from a good shot. You didn't hit any good shots, Bryson. <laughs> I watched them. They were all bad. You hit it way, way, way right with your driver. And then you hit it way left. I think he was the only other one to hit it into the thing on 17, right? Into the Louis Canyon. Oh, yeah. just rename that Louis Canyon. Yeah, well, so, hopefully not. So, I do. I do have he's one more thing. Of, he's a piece of work, dude. Um. So how did how did NBC's coverage compare to compare to CBS? Did you notice any differences? Anything that I thought about you when I saw it was, that it was slightly on, better. So I was on NBC. It was slightly better. That I still got a little frustrated at times because they weren't quite keeping up with the number of players that they needed to be showing. Like Brooks quickly got to two. And they stopped showing him. JT, they stopped showing until he duck hooked it out of bounds. Um, but it ended up being fine because the they the players helped the broadcast. Like it was a for the last hour, it was a two-man tournament. So once those all those other guys had gotten through and mucked up 10, 11, 12, it became easier to consolidate the coverage to those two groups. And one of the kind of weird things about that is then all of a sudden you start seeing the shots from the other guys in that group that you haven't been like, oh, it's like, oh, now we're going to, oh, we're going to watch Mackenzie Hughes play now again. Oh, we're going to watch Matthew Wolf play now again, just because you're following that group. So that part was kind of goofy, um, but there's not a great, I, from a production standpoint, I don't know that there's a really good way to avoid that. And you feel like maybe they should get a little TV time there down the stretch since they were in the tournament after 54 holes. But I mean, it is like, okay, I still give it like a B minus, but it was not a failing grade. It was, they didn't make any egregious errors. So it was okay. 
and it was on all day that was so nice. like i love that you know you can turn it on and watch the way that the golf course is going to play because you actually see guys playing the back nine early in the day because there's so much coverage and the tee times are so spread out so that's has more to do with the u.s <laughs> open and the west coast than it does with nbc but it did make for a better television product yeah, I liked. They had a couple times. They they pulled out. They they did double screen. I don't know if you saw that. They were doing. Dude, I oh they my were gosh, doing I'm so two, glad. two shots at one time, and I thought to I I I looked at Norm and I go, "What about four? We could have four screens at one time, all with different players hitting different shots, and they could just and the announcers could just sit there and be quiet." We just watch I'm it. so glad that you brought that up because you're so right. It's like, how long has it been since we've seen that? And why did that ever go away? <laughs> Never on CBS. In the you world. See that. Never. <laughs> and it's so exciting. Like It has that sort of inherent excitement to it when you're watching two guys hit. So I, I, I'm so thankful that they brought that back. I'm thankful that you mentioned that. Where the hell is it every other week? I mean, I come know. on, guys. There's a lot of times when two guys in contention are playing at the same time. And then you don't have to preface pre-recorded shots with a moment ago <laughs> every time. And then we know this just happened. That are really good or really bad. This just a moment ago, while we were watching on 16, this was Justin Thomas over on the 10th tee. Duck hook. So, um, yeah, I love the picture in picture, the double screen or whatever you want to call it. That was great. Yeah. Thank you for embracing some <laughs> technology at BC. We're, we're trying. We're trying. I'm, I'm sure that's something that will CBS will pick up by 2025. Okay, a- so now we move to the Connecticut. Can you can you play two tournaments in the United States that are farther away from each other in consecutive weeks? We're going from Southern California to the reaches of the northeast united states here um to tpc river highlands but this is another one where we have tons of course history it's a par 70 it's uh, a tpc golf course i'm not sure if i mentioned that um and they have kind of it's 6800 yards so it's super short and the greens I have a hard time figuring out what kind of player this golf course favors necessarily. Um, but it's, it's super short compared to other venues. And in that case, you don't necessarily need length to play well here. However, it seems like guys who are pretty good drivers of the ball tend to have really good sex success here. Obviously, Bubba is one of those examples. He's won three times <clears throat> here and tied for second. DJ won here last year. Obviously, a great driver of the golf ball. Patrick Cantlay uh, has a good record here. He shot 60, 10 under on this golf course as, a, uh, as an amateur. So, another really good driver of the golf ball. So, and then you also have guys like Reed and Spieth who have really good records here and wins here uh, that, 
you know, kind of got it done in a, in a little bit different way. So, um, you know, it's a short par 70 with like some decent rough and some tight angles off the tee and it's very tree lined. Um, we're going to have to make a lot of birdies. It's a pretty low winning score, high teens. Um, and so I think if I'm just going to look at guys who have both history and form and see if I can pick out a couple of guys from that group that, uh, that makes sense for both outrights and finishing positions. Do you have any sort of setup thoughts about TPC River Highlands and uh, just this golf tournament in general? Um, I don't think I don't think ge- geographically it could be further apart. And then just from a style of golf, it could be much different from a sixty from a seventy eight hundred yard golf course to a sixty eight hundred yard golf course to uh, greens that run really smooth greens around twelve on the stimp. Which is, I think, what kind of what the tour tour player prefers from the Poana last week. So, um, <clears throat> it does it does seem with the success rate of Bubba with his three wins that obviously the yardage does not require a a long driver of the golf ball by any means. But that is what Bubba has always been kind of dubbed as is is somebody that hits the ball very far. Um, so that that is kind of the direction that. That I will be, I will be looking mostly at uh, overall driving, total driving um, of the golf ball, and and go from there. There are a few names that just that jumped out right off the the bat to me. I'm the FanDuel. FanDuel is had a long week at the U.S. Open. They're taking a break apparently at the Travelers because I still don't have finishing position odds. For the travelers, but there's a name that I really like uh, right off the bat is, and I, I have to wait to see what his number is. But Brandon Steele has had uh, fantastic success here uh, over his career. He has uh, two top tens, six top fifteens, and eight top twenty fives. So I expect him to play very well. I have no idea. His number is one seventy to one to to outright. I can't imagine I'll bet that, but. I do see myself potentially taking a top 20, top 30, top 40, uh, just depending on what those numbers are. Another guy that I really like uh, who has, I believe he has two wins here is okay, for- Stuart Sink. Okay. Time out. Hmm. What? Did you just say you're getting Brendan Steele at 170 to one? Well, now I feel like I said that the way you just responded is that I was wrong. 170 to one. Okay, click it. If you don't want it, I will take it. That's way too high. He's a hundred to one where I'm looking. That's a miss. That's a typo. Well, Just take it. I, well, I did that all on my computer, so I got to pull up my phone where I have location, <laughs> location services. So hold on. Okay. This, we're not we're not gonna have another Brooks miss cut situation here. I'm actually gonna make this bet right here. Okay. Right here while that's we're on, good because it'll the- keep me from. <laughs> And I promised myself also, we did not confer, but I promised myself I would also bet Brendan Steele because he has a great record at the Farmers, and I was on him last week, and he didn't play well. And I just don't see him playing bad two weeks in a row. He's another guy that, like, I really think you can gain a lot of strokes total driving here, and that that can be a corollary to victory. I don't know that for a fact. I haven't gone that deep in the numbers. But, like, Brendan Steele's so good with his driver. 
and with the course history being what it is, these are poeana greens. They're, they or they have poeana in them, so they're not totally foreign. They're a little faster, but they're not foreign to these guys who are more West Coast players like Brendan. So I love I love that pick. And one seventy is a total misprice. All right, just put five fifty five on it. So we're we're gonna be uh, five hundred dollars richer here in uh, six days. Okay, cool. Love it. Did you get an each way on that? Nope. Don't need okay, it. I'll back it. Don't I'll back it. it up. I'll back it up with a top five. Um, all right. Who else you got? Or should I go through the board? The favorites? Yeah, just uh, I'll quickly give my my uh, one other pick that I really like uh, is Stuart Sink. Before you go through the board, he has uh, two of his PJ Tour titles are at TPC River Highlands, including his first ever in 1997. Uh, obviously won at Harbor Town just two months ago. So I do like, I have once again, I have not seen those finishing position numbers, but that is somebody that I will be taking a look at. So go ahead and give us, uh, give us the, the top of the odds board. Yeah. Let me, t- let me take you through the top of the board because it's amazing how good this field is. It's particularly when you consider the distance that these guys have to travel from where they were to where they're going to go play this week. So here's a look at some of the guys and the favorites. Bryson is the betting favorite. At 11 to 1. Nobody is going to bet on him after what happened last week, probably myself included. DJ is 12, the second favorite as the defending champion. Explain that. And he just beat Bryson at the at the open. Uh Cantley 14. Casey, 16 to 1, has tremendous history here. Uh, along with Brooks at 16. Again. Just explain to me how DJ and Brooks are not number one and new, number two favorites here. I don't understand that. If you like Brooks here this week, I totally get it because the number doesn't make sense. Well, Harmon, it's, not, it's not a major. Harmon, your boy, is 18. Brian Harmon, 18 to 1. I imagine he's going to be immensely popular on DraftKings this week as well. However, I have already bet him to finish in the top 20, so I like him too. Patrick Reed is 20, Scotty Scheffler 22, Abraham Answer, who has some decent finishes here, 25, along with Tony Finau, who everybody was on last week. Again, I don't think anybody will be on him this week. That's a good number for Tony in this field. Uh, Streelman, who has great history, 28, Neiman, Siwoo, Matthew Wolf, 33, Keegan Bradley, a Northeasterner. And with a good record here, 40, along with Charlie Hoffman. Harris English, who got himself a medal at the U.S. Open with a great Sunday. And we saw like four of his shots. Uh, I don't think NBC saw three under being that good of a final score, but they probably should have showed more of him late in the round. 45 to 1 with Cam Smith uh, and Bubba Watson. And then rounding out the 50 and unders. Uh, is Justin Rose and Russell Henley with Sam Burns and Ricky Fowler closely behind at 55 to one. Ricky Fowler will be talked about this week. He's announced that he's expecting a child. Everybody's going to parlay the ROM thing into a Fowler bet, and his number is going to keep coming down because he has two decent finishes lately. Uh, I will not be a backer uh, for Ricky Fowler. But I do see some really good value in this board under 50 to one. And 
the guy that I will be riding and who I have been riding and who I think is playing better golf than people realize. And I was glad that he backed up Friday and Saturday or Saturday and Sunday at Torrey after having a blistering Thursday, Friday is Bubba Watson. Bubba Watson at 45 is an incredible number here in the form that he's in. What do we know about Bubba? Bubba plays well on Bubba courses. Bubba don't play so well on non-Bubba courses. I think all his victories are at three venues. So he's a multi-time vic- uh, champion at three three different places. This is one of them. <laughs> that can't be a real stat. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's won twice as he won twice at Riv, three times at TPC River Highlands. And how many masters? Uh, Just the one? No, he has a I thought he had two. I thought he had two also. Are those his only wins? I think so. You're yeah. gonna look it up, right? Yeah, so keep talking. No, I okay, I'll keep talking. I love Bubba here. I think Bubba's in great form. I've been riding Bubba. I don't think people have kind of realized how sneaky good his form has been. I expected, I feel about Bubba here how I felt about Charlie Hoffman in San Antonio. Um, or maybe that was Fort Worth. Whatever the, the, the second Texas event was, where I really felt like when I was going to launch my apps, he was going to be in the 25 to 30 range. So when I saw the 45, I just clicked it. I mean, given his history here, his recent form and just how damn well he hits his freaking driver 6,800 yard par 70. I, I, I just feel great about, about Bubba here at 45. So I bet the 45 to one, I bet an each way and I bet plus 175 to top 20 on Bubba. I will be riding Bubba. Um, so regarding Bubba, you were uh, you were you were fairly close. Uh, he has 12, 12 overall, twelve victories on the PGA Tour uh, at the Travers Championship, at uh, the Riv, at the he has one at the Farmers Insurance Open. Oh, he I has one at uh, Zurich Classic in two thousand eleven. That's a team event. Yep. Oh no, no he it, won was, the it wasn't in 2011. Correct. Uh, then You're right. he won the Masters right. 2012, Northern Trust in 14, Masters in 14, and then he also won. Remember, he had that uh, he had that hole out from the bunker uh, at that WGC event in Shanghai, China, uh, in mm-hmm. 2014. Zurich, another TPC though. Correct. Yeah, and then uh, but but I was, and then he won the Dell. He smoked Kevin Kisner in 2018 in the Dell match play. Down Austin Country Club, but outside, okay, so, outside, so only a couple, only a couple more. But yes, uh, overall, quite a few more. He's got twelve victories. I think we've kind of forgotten how good this guy is. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And now he's going back. He's clearly in good form. He played great Thursday, Friday at Torrey, um, another driver's golf course. But I just thought, just like I thought with Charlie that one week, I saw the forty-five, and I'm like, 40, 45 just isn't. That's just not right. It should be 25, 30. Mm-hmm. So is he going to win? I don't know. But I feel pretty good um, about his chances at that number and that being a really good good value. I also mentioned that I bet um, Brian Harmon to top 20. That was even money, plus 100. Uh, and I bet Paul Casey to top 20. 
on top of uh, the Bubba. And then your boy, Mac Hughes. No love. No love for Mac Hughes after the week he had last week. Um, he's four for four here with a tie for third last year alongside my boy, Will Gordon, who you know I'm backing at 200 to one this week. So good with his driver. Um, Mac Hughes is plus 400 to top 20. Wow. So I put five on, I put, well, I put 10 on that. That's a little, that might be a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't love, that might I don't be a love Mac much. Hughes that much. <laughs> that might be a little much. And he's 100 to one, which I think is a, you know, probably a little short, but. I do like the I do like his opportunity to to finish in the top twenty at plus four hundred, and then Will Gordon two hundred to one, uh, plus six hundred to top twenty. Those are the bets that I've already uh, taken. I really like Harm. I really like Casey. I really like Bubba. I like the history. Um, I think those guys will play well. I'll probably add some Brandon Steele. Um, it's a great field. We might get burned by one of these elite players. I wouldn't be surprised if DJ repeats. Um, but yeah, those are kind of the names and the players that I'm looking at trying to blend, uh, trying to, like I said, find those guys who have history here at TPC river Highlands and are in some pretty good form. I'm excited. A little bit, little bit, obviously different, uh, different golf that we had last weekend, but it'll be still be this field is sweet for, like you said, for how far they had to travel. It's obviously a good golf course to get uh, to get the field we have. Yeah, I think people really like this event. It's yeah, kind of an underrated event. Um, this is a great one to come. Sometimes you have a major hangover. This one you can just get right back on the bike, and you know, like I, I think we're gonna have a great week of golf. And these are the, my favorite tournaments to bet because they've been held at single venues for a significant period of time. You have really established uh, scoring averages and course history, and the setup is not going to be different this year as it is in others, kind of like what we dealt with last week with Tory versus the Farmers. So a little should be a little bit more predictable in the sense of who's going to play well uh this week and yeah should yield some potentially really good results on the on the gambling side so go bubba go brendan Steele. yeah i mean i'm encouraged you just after after that little pep talk i don't think i don't know how we could lose see see it's just i have the self-belief about the travelers Oh, we were missing John Rahm had about Tory Pines. Wow, we're there's about... nothing can stop us. Karma is powerful. Imagine if we had the self belief for the last 13 episodes. We'd be cooking with cooking with gas then. I had a lot of self belief at the beginning, and then I sort of lost some of my confidence. I was a little shell shocked for a few weeks there, and I, I'm slowly regaining it, Hunter. Okay, well that that is encouraging. Let's... This week's going to be a breakthrough. Awesome. Well, we will uh, we we will keep everyone updated. I'll try to tweet out some results from the Michigan Amateur this week. Yeah, and I look forward to recapping that next week. Yeah, definitely should be exciting. Cool. Thanks, Hunter. Yep. Talk to you.